overtime versus working on weekend? Ooh, uh, none. <laughs> <laughs> Both depends. <laughs> yeah. Depends on the yeah. on the deadline, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I I would rather do overtime than weekend. Yes, weekend is the family time usually for me. And what you do in your free time? So at the moment, I'm I'm uh, reiterating my algebra from second and third grade. So that's cool. at the moment uh, the, the free time, uh, leisure. What I would wish to do in free time, what I would wish to do maybe, yeah, movies. I, I love uh, watching movies with my kids especially. So I especially like watching movies that I liked when I was young and I tried to convince them these are the best movies ever. So I w like watching with them. Sometimes it's silly with, for them, but sometimes I get them into the mood. But are you clashing with the no one, uh, new ones? I don't mind new ones. We actually watch both. So my, my son is a huge Marvel fan. So we have to watch everything, everything that Marvel puts. Um, I'm a huge Karate Kid type of uh, type of. Yeah, I'm not gonna mention age, but that type of person. <laughs> so every that type Goonies uh, film movies like that. So sometimes they like, sometimes like what's that CGI animation? Did they really do like that? <laughs> and so on. So read the book or listen to the podcast. Well, good question. Well, the best podcast ever is Chair. So uh, of course, I, I don't know if. I Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I know a guy. I will yeah. tell you afterwards. Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you will send in no. some episodes that uh, will be interesting. Neither or both. I actually read a lot. I don't necessarily need to read books. I read a lot of content over over net. So it's not a book. Or I, I like reading, and I like this intensive reading where I get a lot of information fast. So when I'm consumed with a topic, I then read a lot around the topic. And now if you ask me which book, I would not be able to remember because I would remember the topic. And then the books and the people, I usually have hard time to, to, to remember. But that's that's usually the case. Podcasts, um, I would say less, um, just occasions. Again, catching just some minutes, except chair. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get the extra credit, guys. <laughs> so, invest in NFTs or crypto? Wow. Or none? None. <laughs> none at the Real moment. Estate. Yes, none. Well, yes. <laughs> Only using one word. Uh, most important personal trait in business. One word. I would still go with empathy. And uh, again, one word. Your biggest motivation. People, again. I can't I can't go away from that. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> This is chair, place where we discuss innovations. So by now most business leaders are familiar with agile innovation teams. Uh, those are small entrepreneurial groups that uh, designed to stay close to customers and adapt quickly to changing conditions. Uh, when implemented correctly, Uh, they almost always result in higher productivity, uh, shorter, uh, faster time to market, uh, better quality, lower risk, and so on. But then comes the twist. What to do when you need a scale and an agility at the same time? To help us with this conundrum, uh, my guest today is Alexander Marjanovic, CEO of Global Delivery Centers and partner at Zulke Group. So, welcome to chair. Good to be here. Uh, at the beginning, agility is the topic that we are going to tackle today. Yes, yes. And it's uh, key for a success in large organizations. 
what is the most important thing to do to be agile on a large scale? So, yeah, if I would be able to answer this question fast, yeah, most probably I would be writing book now. You know, so <laughs> in this, so I maybe I, it will come from this question. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you just started an idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm, um, well, interesting point. Firstly, you know, um, agility is now a buzzword or has been a buzzword now for, for some time. Decades, right? right? So, yes, a couple of so decades. Yeah, decades, right? Um, and if you look at it, it, it was always the case that, that, uh, that companies and people tried to achieve agility. What changed now? I really thought about what changed now and, uh, and um, compared, to the, compared to the past. It's the level of information that you are exposed to that, that changed. So the, the speed of information and the, and the speed of information that you get back based on your actions, it, it, the, these loops are getting shorter and shorter. So actual, actual thing that the companies, in my experience, are trying to resolve, it's how do we move and then really iterate very fast on the move that we have made. And this is where the agility in the large organiza organizations pays pay into. And uh, I know you discussed in some of your, of your um, uh, previous uh, uh, sessions about the um, agility inside in the sense of entrepreneurship and, and uh, the startup culture. I would say the, the agility really starts from the leadership mindset and, and it really it is ingrained in the way how decisions has, are made and how so they are down. followed up. Well, it, uh, you, you need to create environment where agility is actually embodied in, in this. However, I just have to mention this because this is usually something where we discuss. There is a difference between agility and chaos. So agility has a framework. Doesn't matter, it's a, you can select many frameworks, but there is a structure around it. Chaos usually does not have a structure. So there is a difference yeah. in, in those two. So you mentioned the frameworks. Can you uh, uh, give me some examples and pros and cons for of them? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm talking about, uh, of course, uh, agility and scale. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, so uh, example, a safe um, scale agile framework is actually uh, a bunch of, let's say, things that are, that are having a lot of principles um, inside and usually can be applied for a lot of organizations. And we, in, in the experience that, that, that I had, have, have had, or uh, we have had as a, as a company, a lot of large organizations go in, in, in trying to implement SAFE um, in, this, in this regard. There is also less, there are other, other frameworks as well. However, if you boil it down, the basic Scrum principles or basic Agile principles that are company, the same, right? that it's, it always boils down to, to fast feedback cycles, iterative thinking and having really oriented, and that's maybe the biggest change that people sometimes, in my opinion, again, misuse. It has to be value-oriented. So you have to be oriented towards the business value that you generate. And then the question is, where does the business value actually start and where does it stop and where, who actually owns this? And this is where it usually breaks in the, in the large organizations. And when you're implementing, uh, uh, what are the biggest challenges? Mindset, firstly. We don't think in agile terms. Maybe we want to behave like that, but as humans, we are not taught. I mean... Uh, how long did you go to your primary school? Would you say it was agile that you will come one week not. and then uh, in, uh, in an iteration or two, the teacher will tell you what you will learn in two weeks and then you will have a recap. This doesn't work like that. Our program and our mindset and the way how, and this is not our environment here. This is, I think, the overall worldwide, environment yeah. worldwide, right? 
So we are not taught to think. Um, and I think this is uh, honestly biggest opportunity for us as, uh, as, as humans, if I have to say, in our schooling systems, if we are able to actually teach the kids at younger time to think in these terms, uh, to think really in the way of having a flexible mindset, adaptive mindset, but thinking in very fast iterations and learning in fast iterations. And if you, if you really think about the, the agile, what agile embodies is the learning. So the mindset that you, you go, you try something out, you make a mistake, and very importantly, you admit the mistake, you learn on the mistake, and then move forward. It's not so easy because sometimes you have to have an environment where the mistakes are actually embodied in the learning process and not punished. And it's okay yes, to exactly. Make and that's not an easy if you go and implement this in a large organization, there is politics, there is always politics. The larger organization, the bigger the politics. This is nothing any not anything wrong. These are again human behavior, yeah. natural behavior. Um, so um, then you have a lot of old type of systems that have been living and they have, let's say, the mind of their own in the, in the concept. And these things to break in order to get to the agile mindset, this takes time. I love this idea of uh, uh, agile in schools. I know yeah. that your, your father. So yes. uh, do you have some ideas? Did you hear that is it tried to be implemented somewhere? Or? I, uh, so I, I know that there are, I, I will not talk about Serbia. I don't have their information about the agility in schools. I know, for example, for fact that there are uh, um, mandatory courses that go into direction like, um, I think it's how to translate it in English, like project activities. So kids okay. get a project that they need to do on their own. I think, uh, and at the moment it works. And so at least in the primary school with my, where my kids go, it works in the sense that they get a task. They, they, they have, a let's say, three months or two months, whatever, some period. And four they sprints. do it individually. <laughs> in, yeah, that would be four sprints. That would be different. That was my point. So they do it individually. How, in my opinion, how I would actually do it. I would do it in teams. Yeah. I think I would give them the task. Doesn't matter how old they are, two or three or four of them, give them a task to do and do it really that they present something after a week or two, whatever the sprints are. So make them think in this and make them make a mistake. This is completely fine. Do not punish them. Reward them for making these mistakes in front of the, all, everybody else. Everybody else understands this. And yes, it is good they get an accomplishment in the end um, when they do this task anyway today. This is all good. But I really think if they, if I think this is good for their behavior, it is good for learning and it is good as a mental note for future because this is how the life would be in, yeah. when they start living. Because it's agile and all the principles are getting uh, deep in, in uh, yes. many industries. Yes. And uh, it's interesting that it have been in some industries for a long time even for the decades, but yes. we never see that way. We never saw that way. Uh, uh, but when software development started, yes, and uh, thing uh, uh, starts took, to took, took boom, took a boom. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, agreed. Uh, but uh, there are industries where I honestly, looking at agile, uh, how would you see agile in, let's say, uh, a law school? How would lawyers be more agile? In, in this, how would laws change in an agile way? I have no idea, honestly. I don't know how to, and I, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying I can understand why they have very firm principles in the way how they do things and why law requires certain amount of time to be passed and, and so on. So I assume that many, many industries will adapt, but some will do faster and some will do, low, uh, let's say, slower. 
the fact that in software you are able to change things very, very fast enables the agility in, in, in the essence. And I'm not saying the other industries this is not possible. I'm just saying it takes more time for them to develop this also fast types of cycle where they're able to adapt. Building a house in an agile way, it is possible, but you can't move a room between the yeah. floors that easily. So, so tell me, uh, as in service business, mm-hmm. Um, how hard is to work with the big clients that are not used to this kind of setup? Yeah, well, as a, as, a, as a service provider, you know, it's always easy to work with clients. I have to say that. So, <laughs> but now <laughs> let me let me provide more more information. Please, please, please explain <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, the the um, I think the the. It, there is there are always difficulties in the large organizations uh, far more than in the smaller ones doesn't matter how how agile the organizations are or how agile they would like to be some are more in the tra- in traditional business so therefore their cycles are not always evolving in the cycles where we would think as iterative i give you as a as a as an example here um if uh, if a bank has an approval process of certain things that lasts for two weeks and you need something to be done and let's say delivered in two weeks, there is nothing you can do in this agile while you're waiting for this. So if a company wants to go in this direction, they really need to change the mindset um, the, on the way how they behave. We have really excellent examples, uh, really excellent examples. I will, I, will, I will not mention the name of the project, doesn't really matter where. Uh, it's a governmental project. So you, you can assume the agility is not maybe on the extent that we would like it to be just for the simple approval process. If you want to approve something, there are laws and there are regulations that you do. So what they did, they made a startup. They actually branched completely the decision making into the one entity by giving them the authority to make the decision in this scope. So they defined the scope in which you can make decisions. Okay, cool. And then they said, okay, we build a small startup organization that actually is able to move fast and able to make decisions. That does not mean that they are not connected to the others, but they act as external stakeholders, so someone needs to manage them. But it's, uh, it is able to actually behave in a way that is much more agile and much faster in the, and can serve in this direction with fast iterative cycle, fast feedback loops, fast assessments, and so on, and, and most importantly, fast decision-making. This is, uh, this is a way that we have seen in, in large organizations how to actually embody it. And if they are able for that type of a project to create a sub-organization or a sub-structure that is able to make these decisions, usually we are far more successful and faster to make this. When, we are, when it's not... Yeah, the, that was my question. What, what you need to do when you don't have that kind of setup? Yes, so it's... Uh, it's not easy, to be very honest. You, you, you behave, you basically build a bridge between agile and non-agile worlds. Yeah. And this is never ideal. And, and, and usually what there, happens... There is a gap between. Yes. Chasm, right? Yes, exactly. And it always ends up with a lot of communication. There is no silver bullet that I can now tell you now it's good or bad. Usually it requires consulting with the company. Um, uh, to, so we... We provide the support in the consulting. That's my experience. So we consult them, but it depends if they want to be consulted and if it's how they, if they can't change the behavior, you can consult whatever you want. It's just the behavior. Yeah. But you need uh, you to, end you up need to want to change, right? You need to actually act 
like you want to change. So it's not just the will. You have to really put things in action that will show for the rest of the organization that you really want to change. And just a statement, even from the CEO or the board, is not enough. You really have to put in the organization this... Um, Are there any tricks or uh, shortcuts to lure them to... to Uh, to uh, how to convince clients to well, uh, I I would I would always say that that clients are really uh, my experience in working. Of course, they always make decisions based on the on the let's say conscious and and reason uh, and so business value, right? It, that, that's that's, an, that's the whole point. Yeah. And in the end, when they put it, they have to look at how how do their clients actually react. If their clients are not agile, it, it's hard for them to adapt the process. So, the business value is not internal. The business value for a business is always external. It's always with the clients. So. The way how they address the clients and how they're able to address the clients dictates how they behave. This and that's the behavior that is very hard to change. Of course, it's possible, but it requires time. And uh, I want to ask you about building large agile teams. Yeah. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges? Um, first, building any team, small or large, is a challenge, and then building a large team requires even more people and more challenges. So. Um I I'm 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 a true believer from as a concept from self-organization. But however, I I also believe that this concept is misused because usually when when you say self-organizing team, people assume there are no roles in the team and this is far and from no true. rules and yes, no roles. Exactly. And I would say it's quite the opposite. Self-organized team have quite a structure on on site. And uh And they have a really a lot of roles that they divide between themselves. How they how they derive the roles? That's the question. So, in the question, how do you organize? Uh, you organize them into value streams. So they have to be oriented towards the value stream where the value is made. And once you do that, uh, you do it iteratively. You do not build large teams, uh, large teams, uh, let's say separately from the value stream. So you need to actually embody the value streams in the way of thinking of the of the teams, and you need to put structure around this and this structure has to be I'm, I'm going to use the wrong word rigid but not rigid but really precise for everybody to understand how the how the behavior acts and just a simple thing if the sprint lasts for a week or two that's a structure it is not something that we can say okay this week we will be three days and next week no it is we decided consciously on that and these set of principles that you decide I would say These are the guiding principles that would that would do that. But it again have to start from a business value. Have to start from the where the money comes in from the clients. When the, how it is transferred to the to the value for the for the business and the clients, and then only to start building teams around that. And that's is it a trick or not? But that is the only way how we saw it working. And if we put the culture in the equation, that's a very good very good point. Um, it is. Uh, in the when you build a team, how successful team would function depends only on the culture of that. How successful product will be, it depends on everything, everything else. Um, yeah, you are, you know it from your own, your own experience as a service provider. You always carry a culture that that you embody, but you work with a client who has a culture on its own. Yeah, what we see when the cultures are matching. We see a far bigger success in the in delivering product in understanding each other. That's what, when the cultures are diverging, you again build a bridge. It is always possible you build a bridge. So, 
How do you build successful culture in the team requires a lot of leadership, a lot of, I would say, essential leadership skills across the board. So I'm not talking yeah. about the person, I'm not talking about the role, I'm really talking about the leadership embodied into, into several and more than several people in the team. Yeah, I, meaning to ask you about uh, even further how to scale culture. I think that, that that's something that that's even bigger. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that book I would definitely write if I would know how to answer. So I don't know how to answer this. I'm, in I'm answer, reading but lately can, a lot about that, so I'm, I, yes. I I want to hear your opinion it's, on it. Yeah, I have a very firm opinion on on, the, on 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 that. In my opinion, and that's maybe maybe yeah, not only my opinion, but uh, I, I have um, I share it very deeply. I don't believe in static cultures. Sometimes we refer to of a culture like. You have a culture, and then you don't have a culture. Uh, I don't believe in that. And, 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 and an example, I mean, you have a family. And to, uh, today, family, uh, in the beginning, it's always, you say, partners, right? And then they have kids. Culture will change. Absolutely. Is it for worse or for better? It just evolves. So what you need to make sure is that how you live your values stays the same. So how you embody your values. You will live... Your values most probably will not change with the kids. So you will have integrity or you will not have integrity if that's your value, core value or not. You will have transparency or honesty or you will not have transparency and honesty. So if you embody this in the embody, meaning not in a negative term, but teach your kids how to do that and how to live that, the culture will preserve. It will be different because your environment will be different, but it evolves. So in my opinion, culture always evolves. Now you can either manage the evolution or unmanage. Both are fine. But if you manage it, you'd actually have much better success in the preserving the values and living the values in the way how you would like it to be. Yeah. We, we went from, the, from our main subject, but I yes. think it's, it's, a, it's a Sorry good... for diverging. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's okay. You know, I, uh, we, we started from the teams and went to the culture, of course. It's, yeah. a, it's a building blocks of, of the teams, especially in the agile culture, agreed, right? Agreed. But uh, I, I, I don't have really a, a great answer on how to scale successfully the culture. Again, in my opinion, I know it's a buzzword, but uh, the, in agile, the leadership of the organization plays a crucial role. Uh, in scale agile even more because it sets the principle and makes the decisions and sets the direction and sets the organization on the right path. I, I, and drive the change. And in, exactly, so that's the path, right? So they, they set the path in the sense, now we went always like this, now we will go to, to right. And they have to, have to be upfront. They have to be visible and they have to, people have to really um, think about the change or think about the direction when they think about the leadership. So that has to be one and they have to be consistent in this. And that's also not easy. So you just asked me all of the questions that are not easy to implement, <laughs> well, right? So it's philosophical, yeah. right? Everybody, why so not? why, why yeah. not? Uh, to go back to our prime subject, <laughs> yes. so maybe we will come back to this again <laughs> sure, later sure. on. But, uh, uh, I'm sure that you have uh, some great examples of success yes. or, uh, of implementing Agile uh, on and scale. And failures. Yeah. Yes. And the huge failures, yes. I'm sure. Yes. So can you share those two different Without stories? Without mentioning names. Of yes, course, yes. of Without course. Without mentioning names. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, uh, it starts, starts and stops with, with the, the communication usually as always. So I, I, my, my experience just from the, sorry for the digression, uh, doesn't matter. The, the, any project fails mostly up in my, my opinion in the communication landscape. So if you're not able to, to properly build the channels of, of communication. Um, 
from philosophy to the real examples. Um, not successful one. Um, it took us two years to develop a certain certain product. Uh, we developed it by so it's a it's a real example uh, requirements being pushed. We do something, we give back the the feedback. Uh, it's approved, we push back, and then after X iteration was actually not at all what it should what it should be. Even though you in on paper you followed all of the agile processes, the stakeholders inside the company did not actually talk to each other. So the approval that we got was a formal approval by a stakeholder in this that we not only assumed, we thought it was a main business uh, value driver. That was not the case. So if we Actually, it's much more complex situation inside and much more decision in that. It's not that the fact that we did any mistake in, the, in, in this, uh, let's say, assuming who the stakeholder is, we didn't have a clarity in the way how it was organized inside the company and we did not know where actually the business value is and who actually is the driver for this. And uh, I would say, yeah, we had a lot of opportunities to learn <laughs> in this. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it went in the end okay, but it again... We didn't ask the right questions at the right time. Um, another example of very successful one, and uh, again, not mentioning names, but you, you, you might also notice this, it, it was during the pandemic. Um, that was one good example when the very, uh, let's say, uh, traditional organization decided to branch out and create a sp specific body that actually embodies the agile principles because they had to move very fast. In six weeks, we had to develop something to put it live. And in six weeks after that, we had to scale it to 20 billion uh, people. So it's not really a lot of, a lot of time to do that. And we did it with, with really a huge number of people, like 70 people across several time zones and, and so on. Um, how we started and how we ended, it was really a, a huge readiness from the organization and driving in the direction that this needs to be done in six weeks. So they, and that's they, it. That's, that's the prime it. goal. So that's the goal and that they, uh, they are tuned to this goal. So they branch out and made the decision making in such a way that this is going to be possible. Innovative way of, of doing this. You know what, uh, what, for example, what we did, we realized where the, where the value actually comes from. It does not come this business value actually doesn't come from them. It comes from the end users of the app because it was a mobile app that needed to scale to 20 million. So what we did in the in the cycles of week time, we embodied all, so we had a week, week sprints. So in six weeks, we had six sprints to, to deliver. So one sprint, one week. In every sprint, we had four cycles. Doesn't It's usual cycles like um, design, like uh, the, um, um, operations and... and uh, um, um, delivery but we added one more cycle that was user uh, user research and research and we did there a lot of data analytics and research but we did the user testing so every time we had a product and it was after every week we gave it to actual user group and immediately in the testing embodied the feedback into the next sprint immediately so wow. it was it was done really in and so you this managed to squeeze that all in, in, one, in one week. week. So, so yes, but with one one week delayed. So you deliver something, right? And when you deliver in this, you have in a cool this off. week, no, no, you don't have a cool off. But this then the the group picks up this what you developed. Okay. So you you continue working on this, and they did deliver the feedback that you actually take into into the next sprint, and you got the feedback from the first one, and so on. So it iteratively goes goes through through all of this. 
Um, what was very specific is that, you know, when you scale it to 20 million, so this app had to be compliant in terms of regulations, data privacy, health, um, and uh, what is even more accessibility. So our user group for testing was actually people with uh, that had to this um, had to test the app with um, accessibility features on, which means that we got even better feedback because we actually you know this red is too red because for the people that are that are colorblind it doesn't mean anything but for people that are not it actually creates a lot of confusion cool. so we got even better feedback in in doing this and I think. That's a really a major learning. So if you if you can embody this really user user active feedback from the end users, and this is not internal company users, this is really public people that we selected on the group that represent the 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 end user group. Uh, if you get them into the into the cycle, it really creates a lot of value. It's not possible to always do that very firmly to say because sometimes products you there is nothing to test, right? But with these mobile apps and these mobile applications, uh, um, web applications and so on, there I, I think it surely can be done. It sounds so exciting. For me, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know for the listeners. For the, for yes, the yes, yes, yes. <laughs> cool. So. Here in chair, we talk about innovations, and we had yes. this our conversation is innovation talk in a way, but I want to made parallel parallel between innovations mm-hmm. and agile. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any clashes, or is it ultimate truth that innovations equal agile approach? Are there any? Innovations. Interesting. Yeah. Where you won't use agile, agile approach. Can I ask the question back just for, sure. for? Can you name the innovation from 17th century? Or 17th, 18th, 19th. Any any before before mm, let's say Gothenburg or yeah for example. Okay. I do not believe that they they develop things in an agile way uh, or at least what we believe today is is agile so i do believe that innovation exists um, without agile being in a formal way defined right um, however if you ask me can you innovate in the modern world today with without being agile yeah there is always probability and possibility, so I'm not going to discuss this. Of course, there are innovations happening everywhere, um, but it it really helps if you if you are agile. So let's put it but like: Are that. you going to be first that you made that innovation? That, 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 and that's that the question. Be, uh, yes, that's the question. question. So uh, uh, if you look at the definition of of agility, so it's quick and ease, right? So it's less difficult and fast. So when you think about innovation, time to market and, and, and uh, delivering this innovation to the amount of people really, let's say, pays a difference. The quality of the product pays a difference. The feedback from the clients pays a difference. Does it have to be agile? You don't have to call it agile, but you're using all of the principles yeah. that agile actually, agile actually uses or speaks about. Another important element is about where the innovation happens. I'm not saying that majority innovation happens in startup. I don't believe there are innovation happening in uh, large corporates. And as well, in the pandemic, we have seen innovation in the way how we, yeah. how we treat. Uh, but it's very interesting. If you look at really the way how the, the, the uh, pharma industry innovated, 
what they optimized is the time. What they did not optimize, or what they actually went even further, they actually engaged a lot of companies in their ecosystem to be able to build an innovative product. Why? Because these companies move in a faster cycles than they are. So they need to step out of their primary domain on how they behave. Why? Because they don't know how to behave differently or they don't want, but actually because they are regulated to behave like that. So what they had to do, we wouldn't get probably the, the, the medicines, vaccines and all of the other things if the regulations didn't follow in this. So you need to build the ecosystem outside of you that actually is in line with the innovation that you are trying to make. And this is a huge amount of effort. Does Agile help? Of course it helps. And is it the only way? Yeah, yeah you can call Agile in many, you can be flexible about <laughs> Agile, right? But what I can definitely or tell you- creative about it, right? Creative, right, right. <laughs> Chaos doesn't help. Yeah. Let's put it like that, yeah. Um, let's go back to the future. <laughs> let's try, yes. <laughs> what do you think is the future of Agile at scale? I actually, uh, um, well, two answers to this. Uh, looking at the, the market and, and the clients, I would say that the big, uh, I will use the word big corporates, not in, in a very positive manner, but uh, very large companies, large entities, they're trying to become more agile and they do it in different ways. Some are trying to get, let's say, uh, mergers with the companies that are, that are smaller. Some are trying to re reinvent themselves, reorganize themselves and so on. So I believe that there is a future for agile at scale. And I think that the agility in the, in the modern day companies, it's, it's a necessity. I don't see it disappearing in any way. I see it evolving further because SAFE, for example, was not the first one to be invented. We had to invent many, many, many more in, uh, and then to come up with SAFE. And I'm not saying SAFE is really the silver bullet. On the contrary, I actually am not, I don't have a favorite framework. The fame framework serves the purpose and you should really look what it makes sense for you. Uh, but I, I truly believe that uh, this is necessary for, for it. So uh, the, fu the future is, in my opinion, very bright from the, from the adaptation. Are we, have we seen the last framework around this? Hardly, <laughs> hardly. Yes. Alexandra, thank you so much for this. I enjoyed it. Vice versa, thank you for having me. It was a true pleasure. And for you out there, first, subscribe. Uh, then see you next Thursday on the next Chair Talk. <laughs>